listening to the 4th and 16 Podcast. And now, your host, Ellis Tolbert. Hey folks, welcome to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. I am super excited. This is my debut on The Roar, and there's a big game this weekend. I'm hoping I can get you all up to speed and fired up for it. Now, we've got three segments of pure football talk. First segment is going to be about the opponent's offense versus Clemson defense, keys to the game, and what to watch for. The second segment will be about the Clemson offense, the opponent's defense, and some special teams talk in there. And for the final segment, I'll be comparing position groups for each team, as well as a prediction for the game. So again, like I said, big game this week. So there's a lot to talk about. Let's get into it. It's week two, and Clemson's coming off a week one win versus the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, 52-14. to This week, the Tigers will be taking on Texas A&M at Death Valley this Saturday at 3.30. Now, this game will be on ESPN, so if you're not going to the game, at least you'll be able to get to watch this one without some kind of uh, crazy TV package or whatever for the ACC network. The Aggies are also coming off a week one win. Uh, defeating the Texas State Bobcats 41-7. They look pretty good doing it as well. And this is a rematch from last season's Thriller, which saw the Tigers pull out a win at Kyle Field 28-26. A lot of stuff going on in that game. The Aggies returned to Death Valley for the first time since 2005, uh, where Clemson came away with a one-point win off of a Jad Dean 42-yard field goal to seal the deal. Now, the A&M guys are fired up. They are confident. And they believe that they can win this game. They even call for an upset during their pressers. So let's see if they can back it up. Coming into Death Valley, head coach Jimbo Fisher, second year. We're very familiar with him. Uh, he's bringing in Daryl Dickey, offensive coordinator for the second year as well. But let's not be fooled. This is Jimbo Fisher's offense. He's going to be calling all of the plays. Now, Jimbo Fisher is one of the best play callers in college football. It's been a chess match between him and Brent Venables for the last few years. Uh, and I'm interested in seeing what this team can do this season. Now, a scheme is more of a pro-style spread offense uh, due to the personnel. Uh, they want to be very multiple. Uh, they like the 11 personnel, some 12, uh, some gun bunt, some eye formation. Uh, and if they come out in a 22 formation, they're definitely running the ball. So got to watch out for that. The philosophy for Jimbo Fisher and his offense is pretty much just run the ball with physicality. He wants to be tough on all phases of the game. A lot of physicality. Uh, they like to branch off their play action from that, so uh, Clemson can't get lulled to sleep on it. Uh, they also love to use their running backs and tight ends uh, in the passing game, so that's another thing to watch out for. Uh, again, his offense is very, very complex. They like to use a lot of combo plays or uh, blind calls, what they like to call them. Uh, that could be two three, four, sometimes even five different plays uh, in one call. They can hit you from multiple spots uh, on any play, so uh, you got to be able to defend the entire field. To be able to pull something like that off, you're going to need a quarterback with a very high IQ, and he's got that in Kellen Mond. Uh, he's coming back for his second season under Jimbo Fisher. This is his third in college football. Very good quarterback. Uh, I think we are all introduced to him last season. Uh, he had some pretty good stats. He went for 3,107 yards, had 24 touchdown passes and nine interceptions. He added 474 rushing yards and seven touchdowns on top of that. 
Uh, I think a lot of that came from the LSU 74-72 game. <laughs> that was just insane. Uh, but he's he's a very good quarterback. Now, he's incredibly inconsistent at times, but if you let him get out of the pocket, he has a horseshoe in his pants. That kid is very, very, very good at making things happen when he's running around uh, and the play has broken down. So Clemson's going to have to be very sound on that. Again, Jimbo Fisher likes to rely on the run game. They're going to have to do that this season, uh, replacing Travion Williams. He was no slouch. He just led the SEC in rushing with over 1,700 yards rushing. Big-time guy. Moved on to the NFL, so now they're going to be running with more of a running back by committee type deal. Uh, First guy on the field would probably be Ja'Shawn Corbin. Uh, He looked pretty good in that first game. He's very shifty. Uh, Not as physical as Travion Williams was last season, but uh, very good running back. And behind him will be former Clemson commit and UCF transfer Cordarian Richardson. Now that guy brings the pain. Uh, He goes for about six foot, 250 pounds. Uh, He's not super fast, runs in the low four sixes, but he is a bulldozer. So we're going to have to wrap up for sure. Uh, And behind him, they'll have a guy in Isaiah Spiller. Uh, They feel really confident with all three guys. Uh, All three guys are very good with catching the ball out of the backfield. They're also good with pass blocking as well. So uh, that's a good thing. Uh, They also like to use the tight end. Uh, Last season's reception leader, uh, Jay Sternberger, All-American, has moved on to the NFL. He was a matchup nightmare. Uh, really didn't like seeing that guy running free down the field, uh, but he has moved on. And they have replaced him with seemingly another version of him, uh, true freshman Baylor Cup. Now, this kid is, on paper, even scarier. Uh, he goes for about 6'7", 255 pounds, and runs a 4'4", He is a blazer. He was a number one tight end out of high school, Uh, We're going to have to watch for him, especially down the seams. Although they didn't use him a whole lot against Texas State, I'm sure some of that was reserved for Clemson. Uh, I like the matchup, though. I think we can cover, especially on a guy like Isaiah Simmons. I think he's able uh, to make that matchup. Uh, That offense, again, is pretty good. They went from 57th overall under Kevin Sumlin to 20th uh, in just one season under Fisher and Dickey. So they know what they're doing. Uh, They averaged about 36 points per game. Uh, Again, some of that probably came from the LSU game. Uh, And they're very balanced. Around 220 yards rushing per game and 250 passing yards per game. Uh, So super balanced, which is textbook Jimbo Fisher. Again, they can hit you from different spots on the field. Uh, So you got to be able to prepare yourself to just know your spot, know your leverage, and look for help. You got to be good. You got to be sound out there, especially because they return three receivers from last season. That's Jamon Osmond, Courtney Davis, who seems to be the favorite target, and Kendrick Rogers. Kendrick Rogers is the guy who makes all the circus catches. Actually, all the guys can do it, uh, but they're not very good at catching the ball when they need it. Uh, But if you allow them to get behind you, they can make some plays. So it's going to be very, very critical that the uh, Clemson secondary is able to know their spots. They got to play well in this game. And I think they will. A lot of this game is personal for the secondary. You hear a guy like Kayvon Wallace say it's a personal game for him, specifically because of how the game went around the third quarter and fourth quarter for Clemson. They were able to make all those plays. There were tip passes that those guys were just coming up with. Uh, and Kellen Mond and the receivers were able to make them uh, pay with that. They like to run the ball so much that it lulls you to sleep. They want to hit you with that play action. 
And they're very good at it too. Their offensive line is very good in run blocking. Not so much in pass blocking. They lost their big time center, Eric McCoy, to the NFL. So they moved last year's starter at right guard over to uh, center in Ryan McCollum. In his spot, a true freshman, Marcus Jenkins is going to be taking over there. So it's going to be a good matchup. Uh, I, I'm going to be looking to see how Niles Pinkney plays on him. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, I, again, you know, Texas State got a lot of pressure on them. More pressure than you would hope so, even for game one standards. Uh, but again, they've got a really good receiver core. Uh, they've got another good tight end, seemingly. Uh, and their running backs are very solid. But again, they're shaky offensive line, especially in the interior. Last year's game, they got away with a lot of holding. Seems like every other play they were getting away with holding. We'll see how that works out this year. And you want to do that because Kellen Mond is kind of skittish inside the pocket, especially under pressure. But if you over-pursue, that's when things start going in Texas A&M's favor. Kellen Mond is a magician when he's on the run. The receivers really know how to break off their routes and get open. So Clemson cannot over-pursue. Uh, but I like what I saw out of the linebackers last week. Uh, I don't think they're going to over-pursue. I like what I saw out of the defensive line as well. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about some keys to the game for the Clemson defense. You want to keep contained, like I mentioned. You don't want to over-pursue. You want to keep Kellen Mond in the pocket. You want to collapse the pocket on him and make him make a read. You want to wrap up as well. You cannot miss tackles in this game. Last week was a little sloppy. I chalk it up to being a first game and conditioning and this and that, but you can't do that this week. You really got to shore that up. Again, they want to be physical, so you got to match physicality with them. Don't get lulled to sleep. As I mentioned, they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. They're going to sweep. They're going to run screens. Things like that lull you to sleep. If you get caught peeking in with a safety, they're going to hit you over the top with a play action. Again, like I said, these receivers are very good uh, when the play breaks down or if they get behind you. You want to make them one-dimensional. You want to stop that run. You want to match physicality. You want to stop the run. You want to force the pass. If you get Texas A&M one-dimensional and they're throwing the ball 90% of the time, turnovers will happen. That's another key. You want to create turnovers. You know, if you create turnovers, what you're going to do is you're going to put them in a situation where they have to keep up with Clemson's offense. If Clemson's offense is playing up to the Clemson standard, they could get away with this game really easily. So I'm looking for Clemson to be able to just create some turnovers in this game. Uh, it's going to be important. You came away with two last week uh, and looked good doing it. I'm excited about that. So uh, more needs to happen. You also need to create some exotic pre-snap coverage cells to confuse Mon. Like I said, you want to make him question what he is seeing on the field. I mentioned the blind calls, the combo calls earlier. He has four and five calls depending on what the defensive coverage looks like. If you come out with something that he hasn't seen on film before from you, there's no tendency there. He has to guess. That's why Clemson, I, in my opinion, came out with that 3-3-5, that 3-2-6 look sometimes against Georgia Tech. I think some of it was because of what Georgia Tech was doing, but I think some of it was because you want to put that on film for Texas A&M. You want Kellen Mond second-guessing himself. If he chooses wrong, that's a turnover. Or he throws, worst-case scenario, he has to run around and throws it out of bounds. You know, you want to make sure he guesses. He's a very smart quarterback. Again, Jimbo Fisher wouldn't trust him at quarterback uh, if he couldn't get it done. So you really, really have to do that. You also need to spy him, but you need to disguise that spy. 
Otherwise, you're going to create an obvious void and mismatch. Kelamon's able to find the guy who's spying just based off of coverage. He can tell. I can tell from the stands. So you really want to make sure that you can watch for that. I think probably the best guy you spy him with is probably going to be Skoski in the middle at Mike. You don't really want to take Isaiah Simmons off of any potential coverage situations with Corbin or Cup or Beal. Uh, and you really don't want to put Chad Smith on a guy like that, even though Chad Smith did much better than I thought. I'm very proud of that guy. He made a lot of big plays. But you want to spy because Kellen Mon again, has the ability to run if he doesn't find anything. He can tuck it and run. He's not as fast as Tobias Oliver from Georgia Tech last week, uh, but he's he's a very good runner. You don't want him running out in open space. Like I said, uh, he's very smart. He can find those receivers, and they break off, and that's where crazy things start happening. Crowd noise. Last thing is crowd noise. Look, they're going to practice pumping sound into their practice facility. They're going to do drills with it. They're going to be loud. They're going to try to do some silent count practice. But look, you can practice all you want to. Like Dabo and others have said, even fans, you can't replicate Death Valley. You, you just can't replicate Death Valley. There's a lot of things that you can't replicate. And a lot of things uh, for Jimbo Fisher's offense that make it go are predicated on being able to communicate. You know, you, you want to be able to disrupt their ability to substitute new packages in, to be able to call the plays, to be able to identify the mic, strength of the defense, things of that nature. You want to be able to make them have to take a little bit longer. That just throws them off a little bit more with their timing. They can't really utilize tempo like they want. You want to make sure that you've got them in a situation where they're second-guessing everything. You do that defensively, and you got this thing in a bag. Now, you got to, again, match physicality. You got to rotate that depth too, because if you don't rotate depth, they're going to try to wear you down. That's what SEC teams do. You got to rotate them. If you don't, you might get caught slipping. That was the narrative for a lot of teams this past weekend. I saw that happen to Oregon, I saw it happen to South Carolina, I saw it happen to Florida State from Boise State. These teams are wearing you down with a run. You have to rotate, and I think Clemson is one of the better teams in the country doing it. We played 90 players last week. Now, I imagine we won't play 90 players this week, but we're going to play a whole lot of guys just to keep some fresh bodies in. You have to. You really, really got to do it. And Darian Kendrick's really going to get to step up. I'm excited about it. He's going to probably get picked on. Uh, you know, they're going to come after Darian Kendrick. Why not? The underclassmen are going to have to be mentally and physically prepared as well. They're going to come after you, and they're going to hit you hard. So you got to be ready, and I think they will. Same with the defensive line. I think they're going to impose their will in this one. So it's not the same defensive line the last four years, but they can still impose their will. So very good showing against Georgia Tech. Uh, folks, when we come back, we'll be talking the Clemson offense, the A&M defense, and some ways that Clemson can put this game away. You are listening to the 4th and 16th The Game Plan. Back in a bit. I've got to tell you about this cool show I discovered called Small Business Revolution Main Street. It's a business makeover show with tons of awesome advice. What I love about it is they do it all with heart, not the hyped up drama of those other shows we've all seen. Ty Pennington, the renovation guy, he's on it. And Amanda Brinkman, this marketing guru from Deluxe. Definitely check it out. You can watch it on Hulu, Prime, or smallbusinessrevolution.org. I've got to tell you about this cool show I discovered 
called Small Business Revolution Main Street. It's a business makeover show with tons of awesome advice. What I love about it is they do it all with heart, not the hyped-up drama of those other shows we've all seen. Ty Pennington, the renovation guy, he's on it. And Amanda Brinkman, this marketing guru from Deluxe. Definitely check it out. You can watch it on Hulu, Prime, or smallbusinessrevolution.org. Welcome back to the 4th and 16 Podcast. Welcome back. Second segment of the game plan is underway. Let's talk about the A&M defense a little bit. Some ways that Clemson can attack him. So last week we saw Georgia Tech employ a strictly nothing deep mindset to keep Clemson from having a lot of explosive plays on offense in the passing game. Now, mind you, an explosive play is considered any play of 20 yards or more. Uh, Clemson rolled with the punches with that and instead pounded the ball on the ground for 411 yards rushing. Uh, Travis Etienne ended up having a career night. This week, I think we may see something a little similar, but this time I think Clemson is prepared to open the playbook enough uh, with some good coverage busters. So let's go ahead and get into it. Defensive coordinator Mike Elko is also in his second year. Uh, he is very familiar foe as well. We saw him at Wake Forest for a while. We didn't see him when he was at uh, Notre Dame, but we did see him last season at Texas A&M. Now, you remember they were very tough in that game. Clemson still held their own. It was just a little bit chippy there. Uh, his scheme is a base 4-2-5 with a hybrid linebacker instead of pretty much an extra uh, defensive back like Georgia Tech did. Uh, the philosophy is pretty much whatever it takes. You know, he has survival bias. He doesn't stick to a single scheme or a mindset. As long as the defense lines up correctly, uh, puts emphasis on fundamentals, uh, he thinks that they can be successful. The only thing he asks for people is all-out effort. A uh, really good angle of pursuit, some tackling, uh, creating turnovers, and eliminating fatals. That's a big thing for them. They don't want, they don't want uh, any explosive plays. So that tells you the mindset of uh, what they're going for. And it's going to be similar to Georgia Tech. You know that Clemson has a very, very explosive wide receiver core and a running back that can take it far. Uh, they want to eliminate all of that. They also want to stop the run, so that's going to be interesting, and they also want to be very, very physical. They want to come out and intimidate you a little bit, hit you hard. Uh, so we're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see with that. Some personnel he likes to use is split safety too high. Uh, he also likes to use a lot of single high. I imagine he's going to use a whole lot of single high in this game because uh, up until this point, we haven't shown that Trevor Lawrence is a running threat in the RPO. Uh, we run more of a traditional RPO where it's more of a run-pass option rather than a dual-threat RPO uh, where you have the threat of run-pass and a quarterback run. Uh, but quarterback has been running a little bit. We saw Trevor Lawrence show his wheels. Uh, I think a lot of that had to do with this game. They want to show that Trevor Lawrence is a threat, and he is faster than people think. So he can run. He's put some pounds on. He's good enough to do it. Uh, now, something about their defenses, they're very tough. They're very physical, uh, but they're terrible at creating turnovers. Last year, they were negative eight. They ended the season negative eight. Uh, they're off to a pretty good start this year, though. They had four interceptions against Texas State. Uh, of course, it was Texas State, so do whatever you want with that information, but still, they were able to come up with four uh, turnovers, four interceptions, actually. Uh, they can generate a very good pass rush. Uh, they're very, they're very aggressive. They like to send defensive backs on blitzes. Uh, even if there's no one back there on help, 
uh, they're able to do it because usually they're able to get them there. Uh, very fast guys, and they're very good at swarm tackling. Uh, you know, so that's going to be a thing. They're going to be tackling, and you'll see four or five different guys. Even when you think the ball's dead, they're going to be doing that. That's what they like to do. Uh, that is taught to them. Uh, the secondary is strange because last season they were probably the worst unit on the entire team. This year they might be one of the better ones. Uh, they're, they're very talented, but they're going to be playing this game without their best cover corner, Debian Renfro. He's suspended for this game for undisclosed reasons, uh, but that's going to hurt them a little bit. They do have about five guys that they can roll out there. Now, about their corners, it's a good thing that we have big receivers because their corners are huge. They're imposing guys. Each guy is about 6'3 to 6'4. Uh, there isn't a single guy that is under 6'3, uh, not a single guy under 190. Uh, those guys aren't very good with cover, uh, but they are very good in run support, and they know how to use their leverage. They know where their help is on the field. So it's going to be very important for blocking uh, and being able to get off the ball for the receivers at Clemson. It's going to be very, very important. Opportunistic, too. Uh, they they want to create turnovers. They, they, they're happy about that. Again, they finished last season negative eight. Uh, they want to be on the plus side this year, and they believe that that can help them win. Uh, again, he wants to eliminate fatals. Uh, they have got a true freshman as well. Elijah Blades looks pretty good, actually, at corner. So he's going to be playing a little bit. Uh, but the starters are going to be Miles Jones and Charles Oliver. Again, both guys are big. Jones is 6'4", and Oliver is 6'3". Uh, so they're going to be pretty good. Their safeties also fly around the ball. They make a lot of big plays. Uh, true freshman is going to get a start in Damani Richardson. Uh, the other safety is going to be former Clemson radar guy, uh, Leon O'Neill Jr. Uh, he re he's, he's the talker of the team. He wants to be chatty. He wants to get in your ear. Uh, he likes to like make a lot of plays. He's very flashy, but he'll also come up and lay the wood. So Clemson's going to have to be aware of him uh, in this game. The defensive line, as usual, is the strength of the defense. Most SEC team's strengths are along the line. Uh, they're bringing back some guys that are very good, played a lot. Justin Matabuike at tackle, Tyree Johnson at defensive end. They're very, very good players. They're going to get a lot of pressure. Uh, Clemson's going to have to be aware of them and get their A game, especially Jackson Carmen. That's going to be a good matchup. Tyree Johnson against Jackson Carmen. Jackson Carmen looked really good last week, but I'm looking forward to build on that and have an even better week, especially against better competition. Uh, their linebackers are also really good, uh, but they might be the weakest just because they have the least amount of depth. Uh, you're talking about starters in Akina Okiki, uh, Anthony Hines, and Buddy Johnson. Buddy Johnson is the Mike. Okiki is the hybrid Isaiah Simmons type, if you will. Uh, and Hines is more of like the Chad Smith type deal. So they are really, really good, very athletic, big, strong, like to lay the wood, uh, and they can cover. So that's going to be a big deal. We're going to have to try to find some mismatches here and there. Uh, and that's why I think it's important to get the running backs and tight ends into this game uh, in the passing game. Uh, you know, again, they don't have very much depth there. You're talking about two guys in Okiki and Hines who both missed a little bit of time last year in injury. Outside of that, they had to move a guy over from tight end, uh, and they had to beg one of their safeties to become a linebacker. He did not want to do it, but they did not have the numbers there. Uh, so we want to wear those guys out. want to make them try to rotate those guys as much as possible uh, and create some mismatches there. I think Clemson's ever able to do that. Uh, they're very opportunistic. I've said this a couple times. Uh, they really want to make turnovers. They want to make big plays, but that can also be their downfall. They try to do too much too often, 
uh, and that usually puts him in bad situations. Uh, Texas State was able to burn him a couple times on that. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll watch out for that. That's going to be a story to watch for. Uh, and they're very, very aggressive. Uh, they like to blitz more often than not, and they, and especially in the red zone. I've even seen them send seven people uh, on a blitz in the red zone. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, but I think this game is going to be a little bit different. I don't, I don't think the mindset for, uh, you know, A&M is going to be the same as Texas State. Of course, uh, you want to prepare for each team uh, like it's the Super Bowl, but I think this one is going to be a little bit different. They know that Clemson has a lot of talent, a lot of explosive talent. So you're going to want to do your best to limit all of that, uh, but you want to start with being physical. They're going to come out and try to hit hard. You're going to see them clapping their hands. You're going to see them come out and try to you know, establish dominance early. That's why Clemson needs to match physicality. It's going to be very important. Uh, again, they're able to cover the entire field. They're all rangy, all athletic, especially in the linebacker and secondary core. Uh, those guys can cover the entire field. Um, I imagine they'll probably get in a lot of cover three, a lot of single high. Uh, they really want to limit a lot of that. But there's a lot of things that Clemson can do to beat some of that. And we know uh, that they probably held back a little bit of their playbook in the game against Georgia Tech. Uh, for the most part, coordinators going to do what they're going to do. Uh, but you also don't want to show your full hand uh, into it to your opponent the next week. I mean, they're going to see it at some point anyway. Uh, and they're able to formulate ideas and what they think would be a wrinkle for the next week. But I do think Clemson played a little bit vanilla just because they were able to against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech gave them that. Um, uh, but I think Clemson has a chance to put up a ton of points in this game. If they do things correctly, uh, they can really do it. you got to consider last season they were up 14-3 in the second quarter, uh, about to go in for a score, but they fumbled in the red zone. It would have been 21-3 going into halftime. Uh, but they fumbled. Uh, some of that momentum went back uh, to A&M and whatever happened. Um, I think a lot of things swayed that game. Uh, a lot of a home environment. If you if you guys don't know, Kyle Field is probably one of the most intimidating places to play. Uh, it's a big deal. Uh, and I don't think Clemson had an identity offensively last season. And not up until that point. That's the second season under Kelly Bryant. Uh, you just didn't really know what your identity was at that moment. Uh, so, you know, it was a little bit of a different game. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk some special teams. Uh, Texas a actually has the best punter in college football. Braden Mann, he won Ray Guy last season. Uh, he is unbelievable. Uh, super accurate, very strong leg. Not a big guy, but very, very strong leg. Uh, reminds me of BT Potter. Very, very good. Their kicker, Seth Small, is nowhere near as consistent. Uh, he doesn't really have a very strong leg. He started out 5-for-5 five five last year, uh, but after that, the wheels fell off the wagon, and he was just unable to get it going. Uh, I'm hoping we can get him into a kicking situation a lot. We also want to put Brayton Mann on the field as much as possible as well. He's going to try and cough and corner us, so we're going to have to work on field position uh, and make sure that we are returning the balls if we have an opportunity. I didn't like that last week. We saw uh, a couple of times where Darian Kendrick did not return the ball. Some of that had to do with him being 
uh, extra cautious about ball security, which I'm okay with. I saw Will Sweeney take the ball for a spin uh, before I saw Darian Kendrick, uh, and I'm not too fond of that. So hopefully he'll get some returns this year. Texas A&M is very sloppy on their kick and punt return uh, squad, so I think we have a chance to pop one this week. We just have to make sure to be smart about it. Uh, they have their starting running back at kick returner, Deshaun Corbin. I don't think that's going to last very long. Uh, but right now, again, they are in a running back by committee, so I guess it's not that big a deal. Their punt returner, Rashad Paul, is also very dangerous. Uh, we're going to watch out for him. Uh, but Clemson's punt return coverage has been pretty good. Uh, kick return coverage has shown improvements. Uh, I'm not super concerned with that. We just need to be safe and sound when it comes to ball security. We do not want to give the ball to Texas A&M on their side of the field at all. That would be terrible. Uh, but, again, I like what I see. Some keys to the game for Clemson is pretty much pick your poison. Like I said earlier, they're going to try to eliminate the fatals. So you got to take what they give you, but you need to establish the run. If you could do that uh, and do it with physicality, you're going to wear them down. you got to watch out for some disguised shells. you got to slow down the pre-snap breed for Trevor. Trace Willing, the cornerback for Georgia Tech, was able to burn him on one. Uh, he got him because, you know, he gambled, uh, but it was not the same coverage that he thought. So Trevor has to slow it down. They're going to have some exotic looks. So Trevor's going to have to really, really slow down and see the entire field. You got to be physical at the line of scrimmage. You got to wear him down. I think Clemson did a pretty good job of wearing down Georgia Tech. Uh, it's going to be a tougher task to do this week, but I think they're able to do it uh, and establish the dominance. You also got to use a little eye candy. RPOs are pretty much defended by body presence. So you got to bluff them. You got to make them give up their real defensive coverage. You cannot be predictable. You got to make them guess. If you can get them in a situation where they reveal their hand, you already know where you're going. You can beat them there. You're at the advantage. You also don't want to get forced into the box. You got to spread that defense out so they have to cover the entire field. Again, they're good at covering, but if you got to do that the entire game, plus getting beat down in the run game, you're going to get worn down and Clemson's going to run that score up. Speaking of running, you got to run Trevor. If there is zero threat of a quarterback run, they can key in on standard runs, outside zones, inside zones, counter power, and they can use a single high coverage and outnumber the box. You do not want that. Uh, you want to make them pay for overlooking Trevor's athleticism. We saw a little bit of that against Georgia Tech, and Trevor is up to the task, so I love it. You also want to move the pocket. One of my favorite plays that Clemson has is one of those things where he rolls out, the quarterback runs horizontally along the line of scrimmage. He has the option to throw it on a screen or take it upfield. Uh, that is one of the most dangerous plays for Clemson. We really do well with that. So I want to see us move the pocket because they're going to try and bring the house, so we got to be ready for that. And ball security, because they're going to be very tough, you have to be able to hold on to the ball. We can't have any fumbles. Uh, I know Travis made up for that, but I really would prefer us not losing the ball at all. Get two hands on it if you have to. Uh, don't tip any balls up in the air and have those waiting around for interceptions. You can't do that. Uh, ball security, same thing. Throwing interceptions. Trevor's got to throw it out of bounds. You can't throw it in bounds when you're trying to throw it out. I think his foot just got hung up and he made a mistake, and that's okay, but you got to learn from those things. And you also really, really need to get the tight end and running backs involved in the passing game. There is going to be a big void due to all that aggressive blitzing by Texas A&M. They're going to blitz. So you got to find the spots where they're not going to be and throw a guy there. Travis Etienne caught the ball pretty well this past game. I'm looking for J.C. Chalk. I'm looking for Lay. I'm looking for Allen. Even Luke Price. I'm looking for those guys to get in the passing game. Even if it's occasionally, you got to have that threat. And lastly, 
There is no need to press. Don't be a hero. Uh, just play a clean game. You don't want to have any penalties. That was, some of that last week was due to uh, being out of shape and being game one, but I'm looking for them to clean that up. We don't want to go backwards, and especially not from a penalty. Stay tuned, folks. In the final segment, I'm going to be comparing position groups, and I'm going to be giving away my final prediction for the game. You are listening to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. Back in a moment. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Welcome back to the 4th and 16 Podcast. All right, folks, final segment of the show is underway. We've discussed some offense. We've talked some defense. Now it's time to compare each position group for both teams and why. I'm going to start with the wide receivers. I'm going to go with Clemson on that. I think while they do return a trio of very good receivers, I think Clemson returns a trio of the best receivers in college football. Uh, You talk about how those guys are very good at making circus catches uh, and all kind of good big-time plays when the plays break down, but Clemson's receivers are consistent. They're able to catch those uh, boring routes. They're able to catch those short routes. They're able to catch the deep routes. They can run all the routes in the route tree. Uh, again, they are the best receiving core in college football, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going to go with Clemson on that. Moving along to running back core, I think Clemson as well. Uh, I think Clemson has one of the top two running backs in college football, uh, one of the best running backs in Clemson history. Uh, and his backup isn't too shabby. So uh, behind them, you have Darian Rencher, who's really coming to his own and showing that he can be reliable. Uh, and you have the two true freshmen who I feel like uh, the college game isn't too fast for them yet. I would like to see Mikey Dukes calm down some of the juking uh, and just get upfield, but he's done very well, and I'm proud of those guys. Uh, again, uh, I think the guys, Deshaun Corbin, Cordarian Richardson, and uh, Isaiah Spiller are going to be very good, but they're right now unproven. Uh, I'd have to go with the guys over at Clemson. Quarterback core, I'm going to have to go at Clemson as well. Um, Trevor Lawrence is very, very good. I think everyone knows that. Uh, that's not to take anything away from Kellen Mond. He is also very, very good, but he needs to be more consistent. Uh, I think that uh, on the run, he's probably one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Uh, but I think down-to-down basis, I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence each time. Plus, if Trevor Lawrence goes down, I'm comfortable with having Chase Bryce out there. He's shown nothing but ability to be able to lead this Clemson offense. 
I'm not exactly sure a true freshman in Zach Calzada is able to help them if Kellen Mond goes down. So I'm going to have to go with Clemson there. Tight ends, I'm actually going to say it's even. I think both teams are bringing in two sets of unproven tight ends. I think they both have talent. Again, I talked about how uh, insanely athletic that Baylor Cup is. Uh, and you talk about how promising that Davis Allen and Jalen Lay and JC Talk play very good, uh, but they're very unproven. So right now I'm going to have to go with even on that. The offensive line core, I'm going to have to go to Clemson. Clemson's played in their scheme much longer. Uh, they're more cohesive. Uh, they're moving guys around. They found a replacement at left tackle, and he seems to be acclimating just fine. Uh, if not, actually played a little bit better for us. Uh, I think the guys over at A&M are pretty good, but they they were getting some pressure, uh, getting pushed backwards by Texas State well into the game. Uh, I can see that early on, but you you don't get pushed back by a mid-major team, a very bad mid-major team as well. So uh, while they do have some really good guys, uh, very good, very stout, very physical, uh, I don't think they're as good as Clemson's offensive line. Along the defensive line, I'm going to have to say slight to Clemson. The reason why is Xavier Thomas. Uh, they don't have a single guy on their defensive line like him. Uh, they're very good along the defensive line, though. Don't get me wrong. They can get pressure. Those guys are very strong, too, much like the offensive line. Uh, but they're not as athletic as Clemson's defensive line. Uh, I'm going to have to give that to Clemson. Plus, Clemson's defensive line really showed out in this past game. You know, they, they did much better than I think people thought, even down to three deep. You're talking about having Logan Rudolph come out, play out of his mind. You're talking about Justin Foster play out of his mind, Xavier Thomas, K.J. Henry. You're talking about Xavier Kelly, Niles Pinckney, Jordan Williams. Tyler Davis showed out in his very first game. You're talking about multiple people coming in and able to contribute for Clemson on a very high level. And I'm not exactly sure that Texas A&M has that yet. So I'm going to have to go with slight Clemson. Linebackers, I'm also going to have to go to slight Clemson uh, because of the best player on the field at any given time, Isaiah Simmons. He is a freak of nature. He is exactly who we thought he is and more. He's really going to be able to cover the entire field. I can't wait to see the matchup between him and the running backs and the tight ends uh, and even some slot receivers. I think he's able to cover a guy like Courtney Davis. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, though. So uh, I think Chad Smith played very well. I think he proved to people that he's able to uh, really play on this level. He's waited his turn, and he's doing well. I think Jamie Skalski has got something to prove as well. He's been out there playing, playing like his head's on fire. So I'm excited about Clemson's linebackers. I think they'll do well. Uh, I'm going to have to get a slight to Clemson. Again, uh, Texas A&M's linebackers are very good. Okiki is one of the better cover guys. Like I said, he's more like an Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I think Hines is very good. He's a very uh, good player. He can cover. He's rangy. I think Buddy Johnson is, is their Stephon Anthony. He's a big, imposing guy. He will rock you. Uh, and he's also very athletic as well. Special teams, I'm going to have to go even. I think they're even on both sides for different situations. I will say, while Braden Mann is a better punter than Will Spires, I think BT Potter is a better kicker than Seth Small. Uh, I think that their kick return is really good. I think our kick return is really good. I think our punt return can be really good if we actually do it. Uh, and I think their punt return is very good if they try it. Uh, I really like seeing a guy like Joseph Ngata out there, true freshman at kick return. You don't really see that for Clemson. 
you know, we did a little bit of it last year, but it took a little while to really put him in that position, Darian Kendrick. But this year, uh, Joseph Ngata is definitely that guy. Uh, he showed that the lights aren't too bright for him. He's able to go out there, and he's a big imposing guy, 6'3", 220-something. He looks like the Terminator. He is a very good player, and he's going to do a lot for us. Uh, I'm excited about that, but I'm going to go even on special teams. So with that said, I'm going to have to go overall Clemson. Surprise. I think that Clemson just has the better overall team, of course. Uh, they're, they're, they're more talented top to bottom. I think they're better coached. Uh, but I will say that Texas A&M is on their way. They're really, really good football team. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the game a little bit. Let's look, when you're looking to this game and making your prediction, I would say, do not look to last year's game for any insight for this year's game. It's two different teams. Uh, I'll be there at different spots in their program, but both teams will add wrinkles if things will be slightly different for the most part coordinators and head coaches like to stick to what their philosophy is. You know, they'll make wrinkles, but they're going to be them. They're not going to try and change things. They're not going to try and practice differently. It's a nameless, faceless opponent for both teams. I got to feel, though, that Texas A&M uh, might have more pressure because they want to come into this game and shock the world. I think Clemson just wants to be the best that Clemson can be, play to their standard. Best is standard. That's why I don't think that it's a crazy game for Clemson because every game is a crazy game for Clemson. They know that they're going to get everyone's best shot. So I think Clemson's able to do this. you got to think about last year's game. Clemson really handled the game for the most part up until late in the third and pretty much the fourth quarter. I think a lot of things happened. I mentioned earlier, I don't think Clemson had an offensive identity yet. They were rotating quarterbacks. Uh, none of those guys could get any kind of rhythm. you got to think Trevor Lawrence, I think he had nine passes. I think Justin Ross had one single play in the entire game and Travis Etienne had nine runs or eight runs, something like that. Either way, those guys didn't play very much. Think about that. We have two guys of that who are Heisman contenders and one guy who should be the winner of the Bletnikoff. They barely even played the last time we played A&M. They weren't even a factor. Clemson was getting shut down in the run game. So what were they doing? Giving Kelly Bryant the ball. And it worked. Kelly Bryant did very well. He did admirably. But I still don't think Clemson had the right tools yet to be able to put the game away like they could have. I think they were an anomaly last year. I think A&M was a team that were completely unfamiliar. You know, you knew the coaches. You knew a little bit about them, but you did not know the personnel. You didn't know how they were going to try to attack you. It was a wacky game. I mean, you're, you're playing a, a team that you don't know. There's tons of tip passes, some crazy catches. You had a quarterback running around. There's tons of holding calls that were missed. You had a last-minute forced fumble by Kayvon Wallace. You know, there's a lot of things that made this game very interesting. There's a lot of people who thought that Texas A&M should have won that game. They didn't. But it's it's been lingering in people's minds. And, and they, they really want to do it. Again, the offense was a little anemic for Clemson. There was no real run game outside of Kelly Bryant. There was no threat of a deep passing game. Of course, we did do well on some plays, but some of that was blown coverages. 
but we were pretty much just screening and running Kelly Bryant. This year, we are bringing back some guys who are really explosive. I'm super excited about it. I think both teams have defenses that are looking to create chaos. I think both teams' defenses can. It's going to be a battle of the will, though. Who's more physical? Who's playing more technique? Who's playing more fundamentally sound? Who's using that leverage? Who knows where their help is? I think Clemson's defense can do that. I think AM's team can do that. But they're facing a much bigger uphill battle than Clemson's defense. I think we talked about the secondary for Clemson. They're going to be tested in this game. But fortunately, they go up against, again, the best receivers in the country in practice. Of course, you can't replicate practice. Practice isn't the same as a game. Your opponents are trying to knock your head off. Your teammates aren't. So it's a big difference. But I think they'll be prepared in this game. I think a guy like Darian Kendrick can really prove why he was put over there in the starting quarterback position. Of course, he didn't get a lot of action last week. Nobody did because Georgia Tech was content on running the ball. But this week is going to be completely different. you got to be ready. Spread on this game is, I think, around 18-5 right now. It's pretty big. They're confident that Clemson can really rock Texas A&M, or they're hoping that you bet dummy money. I would rather go with the former. I think Clemson can cover. I think they're that good. Again, Clemson has an identity. They're ready to go. They want to they wanna make a statement. They want to leave no doubt. And I think they can do it this season. You know, I, again, I, you know, hats off to, to Kelly Bryant. A lot of people look to Trevor Lawrence and say, oh, he wasn't ready. I just don't think he had enough practice. I don't think he had enough game. I mean, you got to think he came in on the first play and threw a touchdown pass to T. Higgins. So I, I wouldn't say he wasn't ready. Jitters, maybe. Yeah, it's Kyle Field. Kyle Field is a factor. I mentioned this earlier. That stadium is one of the craziest stadiums that you can play in. It is loud. They house over 100,000 people. They're very, very uh, organized with their cadences and crowd chants and things like that. They, they really know how to put on a good environment. But guess what? Death Valley will be a factor this year. There is no better place than Death Valley. It is loud. It is raucous. We know how to get it rocking. We need everybody there to be super loud. Of course, not when our offense is on the field, but we need you to be very loud. The team feeds off of that, too. They get really hyped when you're out there just supporting them and rooting them on. They really, really feed off that. They're going to be coming over to the student section before the game. You guys give them your best. Be loud. This game is going to be hype. I think that the spread is 18-5 for a reason. I think Texas A&M is a very good football team. I think they're going to really turn some heads this season. In the future, they're going to be very good. Uh, but I still think they're a year away from competing. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with Clemson. Final score, 48-24. I just like what Clemson has better. The game's at home. Uh, and again, I think Dabo wants to make a statement. I know it's personal for some of these guys. They really want to show that they are the best team in the country. And I think they will do that. With that said, folks, we are at the end of the show. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening in. 
Uh, I'm confident that the Tigers can come away with a statement win this Saturday. If you want to listen to this episode again, it'll be available on the 4th and 16 podcast. Uh, you can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, Google Play, all that stuff. You can also find it on 4thand16.com. Interested in hearing some of your thoughts on the game? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at eTolbertSpeaks or on Facebook at 4th and 16 Sports. I'd love to chat with you. Always down to talk some football. And as always... It's great to be a Clemson Tiger. I'll catch you next Thursday night right here on the Roar, at the flagship station of Clemson Athletics. Have a stellar night. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!